We have a lot of fun here at Timber Creek Church. Glad that you are here. Welcome to the last Sunday of 2018. You made it. You made it. Hey, we're going to have some fun this morning. I want to get right to our scripture, so we've got plenty of time. My name is Pastor Dan Chanowski. I'm the campus pastor for Nacogdoches location coming live in 2019. It's going to be amazing. We're so excited about that. Genesis chapter 19 is where we'll be for the next few moments. You can pull out your e-version. You're welcome to use your tree version. That's, that's that guy right there because it's made out of paper. Anyways, scripture is going to be on the screen behind me as well. God, thank you for your word today. It's living, it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces between bone and marrow. God, it discerns the very hearts of man. God, when your word is spoken, it goes out and it accomplishes all that it's designed to accomplish, God. Help us this morning. Those that came into this place this morning that say, it is not well with my soul right now. God, I pray that you would speak your everlasting peace to them. God, may your presence be so real in this place today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. It's a crazy story, Genesis chapter 19. How many of you guys know there are some crazy stories in the Bible? Like you should read it. It's, it's crazy. This is one of those stories, Genesis chapter 19. I'll be reading from the message. Sodom and Gomorrah was a terrible place. God burns it down. There's a guy named Lot there. Lot is the nephew of Abraham. And a few chapters earlier, Lot and Abraham split. They were traveling together, living life together. Their families were growing, herds were growing. And at some point, they got too large for the area they were at. And Abraham's like, hey, let's, let's split. You go one direction, I'll go the next. Lot says, hey, there's a really green pasture-looking place down south, Sodom and Gomorrah, that whole area. I'm going to take my family and my herds and flocks and stuff and go there. Abraham stays in Canaan land. God visits Abram and says, the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah has reached my ears the outcry is so incredible that, uh, that I'm going to burn it down. So if you've got anybody there, you need to get them out. And so this is kind of where we pick up the story. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting at the city gate. This was Lot's home. Sitting at the city gate, managing that whole open square. Like he had become prominent in his community. This was his place. This was his crib. This was his home. He saw them and got up to welcome them. Welcome to the party, gentlemen. Bowing before them, he said, please, my friends, come to my house and stay the night. Wash up. You can rise early and be on your way refreshed. They said, no, we'll sleep in the street. But he insisted, wouldn't take no for an answer. And they relented and went home with him. Lot fixed a hot meal for them, and they ate. Before they went to bed, men from all over the city of Sodom, young and old, descended on the house from all sides and boxed them in. They yelled to Lot, where are the men who are staying with you for the night? Bring them out so that we can have sport with them. Guys, this was a wicked place. Like, like there's some crazy stuff going on here. Lot went out, barring the door behind him and said, brothers, friends, 
hey, pals, remember me? Like, don't do this thing. Don't do this wicked thing. Here, here's a better thing. Take my two daughters, virgins. I'll bring them out to you. You can take your pleasure with them, but don't touch these men. They're my guests. Like, come on, Lot, are you kidding me? Like, you don't wrong a wrong with another wrong, right? He's like, this will fix it. They said, get lost. You drop in from nowhere, and now you're going to tell us how to run our lives. We'll treat you worse than them. And they charge past Lot to break down the door. This is not a cool place. But the two men reached out and pulled Lot inside the house, locking the door. Then they struck blind the men who were trying to break down the door, both leaders and followers, leaving them groping in the dark. The two men said to Lot, do you have any other family here? Sons, daughters, cats, dogs, goats, <laughs> anybody in the city, like get them out of here and get them out now. We're going to destroy this place. The outcries of victims here to God are deafening. We've been sent to blast this place into oblivion. Lot went out and warned the fiancés of his daughters, evacuate this place. God's about to destroy the city. But his daughters would be husbands. Treated it as a joke. How many of y'all know that some people just don't take God's word seriously? Like, that sounds kind of funky. Like, serious? They thought he was a joke. At daybreak, the angels pushed Lot to get going. Hurry, get your wife and two daughters out of here before it's too late and you're caught in the punishment of the city. Lot was dragging his feet. The men grabbed Lot's arm and the arms of his wife and daughters. God was so merciful to them and dragged them to safety outside the city when they had them outside. Lot was told, now run for your life. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. Run for the hills or you'll be swept away. But Lot protested, no, masters, you can't mean it. I know that you've taken a liking to me and have done me an immense favor in saving my life. Well, duh. Like, thank you for that. But I can't run for the mountains. Who knows what terrible thing might happen to me in the mountains and leave me for dead. Look over there. That town is so close. It's close enough to get to. It's a small town, hardly anything to it. Let me escape there and save my life. It's a mere wide place in the road. A couple more verses here. All right, Lot, if you insist, I'll let you have your way. This is not Burger King, right? Like we can't just always have it our way, but the angel said, hey, if you insist, I'll let you have it your way. I won't stamp out the town you've spotted, but hurry up, run for it. I can't do anything till you get there. That's why the town was called Zoar, that is, small town. The sun was high in the sky when Lot arrived at Zoar. Then God rained brimstone and fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah, a river of lava from God out of the sky and destroyed these cities and the entire plain and everyone who lived in the cities and everything that grew from the ground. In fact, if you look down at where Sodom and Gomorrah are today, at the Dead Sea, like nothing grows there. Like it is desolate. But we read in verse 26, but Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Look at your neighbor and say, don't look back. Look at your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, like, don't get stuck. <laughs> Listen, 66 books, 40 different authors, written over 1,400 years, across three continents in three different languages. This collection of books we call the Bible is God's story. 
It's God's story. It all begins with God. And let me tell you, it all ends with God. And somewhere in between, our unique story lies. Isn't that amazing? That our story is somewhere. That's why we can take an Old Testament scripture like this that's thousands of years old. And we can find real-time, present-day application for our lives. That God has something to say to you and to me today from this Old Testament story. Amen? I'm excited to preach a message titled, Stuck. Say it with me. Stuck. Man, I don't want you to get stuck this next year. I don't want you to be stuck. This was an incredible year at Timber Creek Church. When we look back on all that God has done, over 1,500 commitments made this year. People giving their lives to Jesus. Come on, give it up for the Lord. Some of you are here today because you decided to invite Jesus to be the center of your life. And everything is beginning to change for you. Over 170 people took next steps in water baptism this last year. That's amazing. But guys, the best is yet to come. Like 2019, we're believing for bigger and better things. Like we want to appreciate what God's done in the past, and we'll, we'll do a little bit of that today. But guys, I also want to look forward with anticipation for what God has in store for us. In a few weeks, we're going to have another baptism service, and we're going to blow it up, guys. We're going to bring all kinds of people up here. They're going to take next steps in water baptism. And, it's, and we're, going to, we're going to party with you. We're going to rejoice with you. It's going to be awesome. But 2018 was a great year. God has been faithful. And we have been so blessed as we have attended to the things that God has revealed to us. We can't do everything, but the things that we're going to do, we believe that God has directed us to, and we've seen God bless it. I can't wait to see what God does this next year. But I want you to think just for a minute. Let's do a little mental exercise. Come on, your second service. You've had a couple of cups of coffee now. I've had like three or four, so I'm feeling a little amped right now. But I want you to think just for a second, where was I this day last year? Where was I the last Sunday of 2017? Think just for a second. Some of you are like, I was right here in this same spot. By God, this is my seat and ain't nobody going to take it from me. <laughs> like, where were you a year ago? Now, I want you to fast forward and think, where will I be one year from now, 2019? It's the last Sunday. Let's, let's practice together. It's 2019. It's the last Sunday. Welcome, everybody. 2019, the last Sunday of the year. It's been an incredible year, hasn't it? God's done amazing things. And like you fast forward a year from now and you're like, boy, I haven't changed a bit. <laughs> I'm a little heavier. <laughs> I'm a little slower. I'm a little bit more in debt. <laughs> like, let's not be that, okay? Like, let's not get stuck. Let's move forward and see what God has for us. This is a, a sobering exercise for me because I look back on, on the last year, and, and there are many areas where I've grown. Man, God has stretched me. Anybody else? Man, I have been stretched. Stretch Armstrong stretched. Like there are some things that God has been doing in me in the meantime, while I've been waiting, while God's been working around. Like there are some things that God's been doing, but can I be real honest with you? Because there are some things in my life that a year ago I'm, st I'm still dealing with. 
Like, I, I, feel, I feel stuck. But I don't want to be stuck. And I believe that God doesn't want us to be stuck. I think this message today is going to help us. I think it's going to help us to get unstuck. I don't want any of us to be in the same place next year saying the same thing. I wish I, wish I would have. Oh, God, I wish I, I, wish I would have made that phone call. I, I, I wish I would have done that one thing that I'd been thinking about. Dude, if, if only I had started that one thing or stopped that one thing or got rid of that one habit, began that one project. Let's agree that this time next year, Lord willing, we're all here, and Jesus doesn't return and take us all home. One year from now, let's agree that we won't be stuck. Look at your neighbor and say, I may be stuck. Come on, you're not going to practice with me? You make me preach this all by myself. I may be stuck, but not for long. Let's talk about the text just for a moment. Lot's wife is typically the center of this story. Like, like the moral of this story is don't become the world's largest salt shaker. Right? That's the moral of the story. <laughs> like she got stuck. In fact, the gospel writer Luke wrote about it hundreds of years later. Luke chapter 17 says, it was the same in the, lot, in the time of Lot, the people carrying on, having a good time, business as usual, right up to the day Lot walked out of Sodom and firestorm swept down and burned everything to a crisp. That's how it will be, sudden, total, when the Son of Man is revealed. When the day arrives and you're out working in the yard, don't run into the house to get anything. If you're out in the field, don't go, go back and get your coat. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you grasp, listen to this, if you grasp and cling to your life on your own terms, how do we get stuck? When we grasp and cling to our own, to our life on our own terms, you'll lose it. But if you let go, that life of yours, let it go, you'll get life on God's terms. If you just let it go, let it go. Let it go. It'll never get old, y'all. <laughs> if you just let it go, if you just surrender, like that's part of being unstuck is saying, God, it's out of my control. Like we hold on to things loosely. She got stuck wanting to live life on her own terms. And maybe you got stuck. Maybe you're stuck right now because you're bound and determined as stubborn as you are, that you're going to live life the way that you want to live life. I did it my way. I did it my way. Y'all, I'm going to break out and sing this morning because I just feel like singing. She got stuck because she wanted to live life her own way. But you know what? She wasn't the only one that got stuck. Lot got stuck too. Like I'm reading this scripture and I see, yeah, Lot escaped he got out of there, but the angels said, hey, head for the mountains, head for the hills, like don't stop, keep moving. And what did Lot do? He was like, no, I'm afraid to go there. Like what happens if I get there and there's no help for me? What, if, what happens if I get there and I don't know what to do with my life? What happens, let me just stop in this little place called Zoar, and it's called a small town, or get this, the Hebrew word is insignificance. Like Lot got trapped. He got stuck in a place of insignificance. Guys, I don't want to get stuck there. 
That's not God's plan. That wasn't God's plan for Lot's wife. It wasn't God's plan for Lot. That's not God's plan for you, and it's not God's plan for me. God doesn't want us to get stuck. He wants us to fulfill his God-given potential in our life. I don't want to be stuck. I don't want you to get stuck. You're too valuable to get stuck in a small, insignificant place. Somebody this morning needs to believe that God's got more for your life than just this, than just insignificant living. You're too valuable to get stuck in a small place like that. God's designed you for more. Don't get stuck. So how do I know if I'm stuck? Why? Sometimes I don't even know that I'm stuck. Like sometimes I need to have somebody else tell me, hey, you're stuck. Let's look at five indicators of a stuck life. You got your notes with you? Should have received one of those bulletins as you came in. We're going to fill in some blanks this morning. There's some spots at the bottom too if you wanted to add some extra notes. Five things, five quick things. I might be stuck, kind of like I might be a redneck if. <laughs> I might be stuck, number one, if I've settled. I might be stuck if I've settled. If we jump back a few chapters, we can see how Lot ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah. But it wasn't by accident, Genesis 13, verse 12 and 13. That's how they came to part company. Uncle and nephew, Abram, settled in Canaan. Lot settled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. The people of Sodom were evil, flagrant sinners against God. Settle means to become comfortable or happy with a certain situation or a set of circumstances. I'm sure that this wasn't Lot's intention like, I've got to believe that Lot's intention wasn't like, hey, I'm going to go down and settle in this incredibly sinful place. Right? Like, it wasn't his intention. He, he was looking for a great place to settle his family. And, and what he found himself in was a sinful place. But how many of you guys know that sin will often take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay? Like at some point, Lot should have said, hey, guys, this is a corrupt place. We shouldn't be here. We ought to get out of here. But he settled there. Lot made the choice to settle in an incredibly corrupt environment, but maybe, maybe that's not you this morning. Maybe you haven't settled in an incredibly corrupt environment, but, but you've settled. Maybe you settled for this or, or you've settled for that, I've, I've been there, I've settled, and I'm, and I'm constantly tempted to settle. Have you settled? Have you settled for mediocrity in your marriage? I guess this is where, how it's always going to be. We've stuck together this long, baby, I guess 30 more years. <laughs> I That's not what God has designed your marriage to be, Amen. Like, don't, don't settle for mediocrity in your marriage. Believe that God has something greater for the two of you, gr greater than what you have right now. Not somebody else. <laughs> like, God has something incredible for you. Maybe you've settled there. Maybe you've settled with, with parenting. Like, my kids are always going to be jerks. Granddad was a jerk. I'm a jerk. Kids are going to be jerks. <laughs> the apple doesn't fall, fall from the tree. 
That's not how it has to be. Amen? My grandfather's grandfather was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. I guess I'll just be an alcoholic. Uh-uh. Listen, you can, you can get hung up with those hand-me-downs, and you can get stuck there. Well, I guess this is just what my lot in life, pun intended. Like, I guess I'm just, I'm just bound to be stuck. Or you can decide, no, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. I'm more than an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. The old has gone and the new has come. God's done something great in my life, amen? There's a fresh start for me. Like, I, I look back, that's the old way of life. And God's got something brand new for me. I don't have to live according to that old law anymore. God's got something great for me. Don't get stuck because you've settled. Settled in your pain. Settled in your depression. Settled in your grief. Some of you, you've lost a loved one. You've had a dream die in your life. And and you're stuck in your grief, and you can't get beyond what you thought once was or once should be. Don't get stuck in your grief. Don't settle in your hurts and your habits, your hang-ups or your hangovers. Sometimes we settle when we choose good things in life over God things in life. Don't settle just because it's good. Like determine, God, what is it that you have for me? We settle when we live out of fear rather than faith. Like I'm afraid to take that next step. So I settled here. When we settle, we get stuck. Don't settle for anything less than God's very best in your life. Proverbs 16, 1 and 3, I love this. It says, mortals make elaborate plans, but God has the last word. Humans are satisfied or settled with whatever looks good. Isn't that the truth? We just settle, we just settle for whatever looks good, but God probes for what is good. Put God in charge of your work, in charge of your life. Then what you've planned will take place. Number two, I might be stuck if I've surrounded myself with people who are stuck. Now, don't look around. <laughs> don't look at your neighbor right now. You may be sitting next to a stuck person. Law had surrounded himself with stuck people. Like that was his community, he had surrounded himself with trouble, and at, and at, at some point in life, trouble was going to start knocking at his door. Let me ask you a question. How healthy are your relationships? Think about it just for a second. How healthy are your relationships? Pastor and author Mark Driscoll says the first key to healthy relationships is to accept that not everyone is spirit-filled, wise, responsible, teachable, or, I love this, a good investment of your time and energy. Listen, sometimes we surround ourselves with people I like to call joy suckers. You know what I'm talking about. You go to, uh, you want to share with them something that God's doing in your life, and it's just, and they suck the joy right out of it. Oh, well, that won't last long. Oh, I've seen that before. You know what I'm talking about. Those joy suckers, like, don't surround yourself with those type of people. Like, you want people that, that, that are going to rejoice with you and celebrate the things in your life. Pastor Jeremy reminded, a few weeks, reminded us a few weeks ago of these four powerful words. Regardless of where you, you, were, where you grew up, where you came from, what kind of background you have, these four words have shaped you. 
I had these friends. And it may be I have these friends. These friends have have made positive impacts on my life, or these friends uh, got you in a heap of trouble. When I was growing up, I surrounded myself with some people who got me into a lot of trouble. I had these friends. Ask yourself these questions concerning your relationships. Number one, are they wise or are they foolish? Proverbs 13, 20 says, become wise by walking with the wise. Solomon, the wisest man on the planet who has ever lived, wrote these words. If you want to be wise, get this, blow your mind, like walk around wise people. Like wiseness rubs off. But you know what else rubs off? Foolishness. <laughs> Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Number two, do they sharpen me? Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. you use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. Do you have that friend who sharpens you? Like the moment you begin to, to slip into a little bit of depression or, or regret on things, do you have that one friend that says, hey, don't do that? Hey, don't live in depression. Hey, don't be angry. Hey, you need to forgive. Hey, don't do that. Do you have one of those friends that sharpens you? You know, you know that that friend sharpens you when in that moment you, it makes you angry, but you know they're right. You know what I'm saying? Like that person that sharpens you, that makes you sharper. Do, do my friends, number three, do my friends pull me closer to God? Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Who have you surrounded yourself with? Who are you taking counsel from? And I might add this morning, some of you are taking counsel from the person looking back at you in that mirror. And sometimes that's not even good counsel to take. Because our self-talk, the conversation, the dialogue that we have about ourselves isn't from God. Someone say amen. Like we need to fill ourselves with the word of God and begin to tell ourselves who we are in Christ. Who should we seek counsel from when we find ourselves stuck in life? The answer is simple, like not other stuck people. Like if you're stuck in a hole and you want to get out, the last person you want to ask is the person that's stuck next to you in the hole. Like who should I ask? I should find people who have, got, who have been stuck, who have said, you know what, I've been there, me too, but I've got out. Guys, this is why we do groups at, at Timber Creek Church. We don't think you ought to do life alone. We don't think you ought to be stuck. So so surround yourself with other people who can say, you know what, I once was stuck too, but this is how God has helped deliver me out of that. Number three, I might be stuck if I haven't taken God's word seriously. Genesis 19, 14, Lot went out and warned the fiancés of his daughters, evacuate this place. God is about to destroy the city, but his daughters would be husbands treated it as a joke. They thought he was funny. They mocked at him. They even laughed at him. How many of you guys know that when God begins to do stuff in your life, that you're not always going to have cheerleaders around you? That it may be some people that say, are you crazy? Like, why would you go get involved in that church? Like, why would you, why would you start giving? Why would you get baptized? Why, like, why would you go through those grow tracks? And, you know, why would you do those things? This is so dangerous. This proved to be detrimental for Lot's would-be son-in-laws. 
There may be people that mock you. There may be people that laugh at you for, for what God's trying to do in your life. But think about it. Throughout Scripture, you've got Noah. Hey, Noah, build a boat. <laughs> for what? What am I building a boat for? People thought he was crazy. Think about Joseph and his dreams. You're going you're gonna to rule over all of us, Joseph? Really? What a joke. Think about the disciples. These guys have been fishermen, probably for generations, fishermen. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, I want you to drop your boats and your nets and come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Are you crazy? You want to go into ministry? You want to be a pastor? Like, why would you do that? You're crazy. Think about Jesus. Born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, buried in a borrowed tomb, raised from the dead. Are you kidding me? You really believe in that stuff? We are guaranteed to be stuck when we don't take God's word seriously in our life. I was thinking about this last, over this last year, and we've had an incredible year at Timber Creek Church. Incredible year. Thousands of people making commitments for Christ, and thousands of people getting involved in, in groups and in grow tracks and encounter, and people experiencing freedom in their life. Record numbers in starting point. If, if you've never done starting point, raise your hand if you've done starting point. You've been involved in starting point. Is it like the coolest thing ever? Like it's not a four-week class. It's a four-week experience. Like it's awesome. And we sh- breakfast and everything. It's like know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's your, that's your next step. If you haven't involved, been involved in starting point, after service today, go sign up for it. It will change your life. Get involved in starting point. But record numbers in the movement I was thinking about all the incredible sermons we've had over the past year. Hey, aren't you thankful for our incredible communicator, Pastor Jeremy? Doesn't he do an amazing job? Come on, give him a round of applause. And we love our pastor. Such a gifted, anointed speaker. So many incredible uh, series, sermon series over the year. Remember the story? Remember the story? We started the year out with the story, and we, we journeyed through Genesis to Revelation, and we talked about the upper story and the lower story. We learned that Jesus alone is the heavenly solution to our earthly dilemma. That Jesus alone is that heavenly solution. Do you remember marriage month in May? We tracked, we, we, we saw so many testimonies uh, of, of lives, of, of marriages that were healed, and, and so many good things that came out of that. Summer at the creek. Last summer, it seems like years ago. <laughs> summer at the creek. Remember we had Santa Claus out there in his shorts in the lobby? It was difficult to try to get him during such a busy season. You know, he'd go right, right back into building toys and stuff in the North Pole. But he came and he hung out with us. That was awesome. But we learned that Jesus came to ease, to, to erase the misconceptions and to give us access to his love so that you and I don't have to just read about God, but so that we can have a real relationship with him. In August, we, we had a, a time of prayer where we met together for a few weeks, a time of prayer called Closer. And we were challenged to pray and go deep with our prayers and believe God for great things. And, and guys, many of those things we are seeing today, those, those prayers answered because we, we took that time to lean in and to pray. We call them Genesis prayers. Like we can look back to the, at the point where that became a reality. And I'm convinced the best is yet to come. I'm convinced as this next year, as we make prayer a priority in our lives, guys, the first Sunday, mark it down in your, cal- in your calendars, the first Sunday of every month, we meet over in the chapel before services and we pray. 
and we seek God. And so many of the things that we've experienced this year are a result. I believe it, that it's a result of those times of prayer. And I'd invite you, wouldn't it be so cool, the first Sunday of the month, first Sunday prayer, that we fill up that chapel. Like we got people standing out in the lobby area because we can't get into the chapel as we're seeking God and praying for incredible things this next year. Would you join me in 2019 to pray? Mark that on your calendar. Next Sunday is our first Sunday prayer. In October, Pastor Jeremy preached a series titled, This Is That, where we were challenged with the truth that if God is good only when things in your life are good, then things are your God. And this fall, we were scared to death. This was a great series of sermons about fear and worry and anxiety. Go back and listen to these things. Go back and and see this. What am I trying to say? Like if these are just sermon series, just good talks, if we, if we fail to take God at his word and apply it, his truths to our lives, then we are going to remain stuck. Then it's just another good sermon. James 1.22 says, don't fool yourselves. Don't merely listen to the word. Actually, like do what it says. Imagine with me right now, like if we decided in 2019 that I was going to take just one nugget of truth that I get. Like, and I was going to apply it to my life, and I was going to trust God to fulfill that promise in my life, how different your life would be a year from now. That's how powerful God's word is. If you would just take one thing, but let's, let's not take, let's, let's take God's word seriously in our lives. Number four, I might be stuck if I'm slow to surrender to the Spirit's leading. Are you still with me this morning? If I'm slow to surrender to the Spirit's leading. The scripture says that as they were pulling Lot and his family out of the city, Lot was dragging his feet. Another translation says Lot hesitated. Like he hesitated. My oldest daughter, Madison, started driving. God help us. She's a great driver. I'm just saying as a parent... Can any, any other parents out there that witness with me, like, give your kids the keys to the car? And it, man, it scares me to death. Not because she's the bad driver, but because there's a lot of bad drivers out there. I mean, none of you, obviously, but like, <laughs> like I'm teaching her how to drive, right? And, and, we're, and we're coming out on the highway, and people are doing 75, 80, 90 miles an hour. And I, and, and I told her, there are two, two lessons when, uh, that are going to keep you alive. Number one, like, there are other stupid drivers out there. Like, you've got to be aware of stupid drivers. And number two, if you hesitate, you'll be in a lot of trouble. Like, you've got to commit to something. And that hesitation in our lives, guys, if, if we're going to hesitate, we're going to remain stuck. If we drag our feet, these four words will get you stuck and keep you stuck. You know what? I'll think about it. Or better yet, I'll pray about it. Listen, there are some things in life, listen to me. Don't require prayer or fasting. Just require immediate obedience. Sometimes God just speaks his word and I don't need to pray about it. I just need to go and do it. Like that's going to help me get unstuck if I'm slow to surrender to the spirits leading in my life. Lot and his wife were grasping and clinging to a life on their own terms rather than surrendering completely to God. Are you holding on when God is saying let go? Are you hesitating out of uncertainty or fear? Don't hesitate. Don't get stuck. And finally, 
I might be stuck if I've stopped short of my God-given potential. The angels led him out of the city, told him to run for his life. However, Lot was scared he wouldn't make it to the mountains and was fearful of what might happen once he was there. I find this interesting. Those angels that delivered him from Sodom and Gomorrah, like pulled him by his arms and said, hey, let's get out of here. Like, did he not realize that those, that the same angels that delivered him were going to take him to the mountain? Like, the same God that was so merciful to help him get out of the situation he was in is the same God that's going to help you down the road to do the things that he's asking you to do? Listen, there are some times that God will give you more than you can handle. How many of you heard it before? God will never give you more than you can handle. Listen, there are some times that God will overload you so that you'll lean in completely to him and realize that he's all you need because when, when God's all that you've got, you'll realize that he's all that you need. And like Lot, Lot if, if he'd have just headed towards the mountains and, and wouldn't have hesitated and stopped short of his God-given potential in that insignificant place, your God-given potential will never be realized in your own strength because God is famous for stretching us past our own limits. Ask anybody that's, get, that, that's been involved in Grow Tracker Encounter this last year. God will stretch you. I was told years ago by a pastor friend, he said, hey, if the, if the shoe fits, but he actually said, if the shoe fits, get a bigger pair. Because in order for us to continue to grow into all that God's designed us to, we gotta, we got to fit into a pair of shoes that, that we can grow into. I can have faith that God's got more for your life. Your God-given potential is our mission here at Timber Creek Church. Like, we're going to push you. We're going to challenge you. We're going pl- to try to pull out, just like Paul said to Timothy, stir up those gifts inside of you. Like, we're going to challenge you to do that. Don't get stuck in a place of insignificance because of fear of failure. I love this statement. We said it a few times as the year year was coming to a close. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. So how do I avoid getting stuck in the first place? How do I avoid getting stuck in the first place? Don't look back. Keep moving forward. Don't look back. Keep moving forward. Genesis 19, 14 through 26. Then God rained brimstone and fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah, a river of lava from God out of the sky, and destroyed these cities and the entire plain and everyone who lived in the cities and everything that grew from the ground. That's pretty much everything. But Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Don't look back. Keep moving forward. For many of you, 2018 was a year of significant change. You invited Jesus to be the center of your life. And let me tell you, that's just the starting point. That's just the beginning. Keep moving forward. Join join the movement. Get involved in Grow Track. Get involved in Encounter. Go to starting point. Sign up for a group. For some of you, today is the day you hear God saying, It's time to stop looking back and start moving forward. One of my favorite lines in this story is found in verse 16. 
Listen to these words. It says, Lot was dragging his feet, so the men grabbed Lot's arm. How many of you guys know sometimes God just got to grab our arm and, like, pull us through? Like, for me, sometimes I'm just so doggone stubborn, and God's just got to pull me through. And the arms, he grabbed the arms of his wife and his daughters. And this little bitty verse right here says, God was so merciful to them. Like, God is so merciful to us. In fact, the scripture says we wake up to God's mercies every morning. Like, quit worrying about what happened yesterday and, and don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, accept God's mercy for today. God is so merciful to us. Don't hesitate this morning. Don't stay stuck. Trust the TCC guarantee. You ready for it? Give us a year of your life. Embrace the process. And Jesus will change your life from the inside out. And guys, we're going to help you get there. And we're going to help you get there. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? I'm believing this morning that there are stuck people. You're stuck, number one, because you've never asked Jesus to be the center of your life. You're still sitting on the throne of your heart, living life your way on your own terms. I can tell you, I believe it because I've been there, like you will remain stuck. Would you surrender to him today? Would you invite Jesus to be the center of your life? Would you, would you step off the throne of your heart and say, Jesus, take the rightful place. I repent of my sins. I make a terrible Savior, but you're the perfect Savior, and I invite you to come in. If that's you this morning and you want to make Jesus the center of your life, all over the, the campus this morning, those even on, online, would you just lift a hand and say, that's me this morning. I want to make Jesus the center of my life. Yeah, who else? Who else this morning? Hands up all over the place. I want to make Jesus the center of my life. I'm stepping off the throne of my heart. I'm inviting Jesus to take the rightful place. I'm saying, Jesus, I'm stuck. I'm stuck without you. I'm stuck in my sin. I'm stuck in my old way of life. But Jesus, I'm inviting you to come and take rightful place. You may pray a prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm so thankful that you're not mad at me, that you're mad about me. I invite you to come in. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you. Now, Holy Spirit, lead me from this point on. Guide my steps. Help me to live a life unstuck. Help me to live a life that's moving forward each and every day towards my God-given potential. You're here this morning, and you've made Jesus the center of your life. But let's be honest, we just get stuck. There's some areas of your life that you're stuck. Would you lift your hand this morning and say, that's me. I'm stuck. Pastor Dan, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in my pain. I'm stuck in my hurt. I'm stuck in my grief. I'm stuck in my hurts and my habits, my hangups, my hangovers. Like I'm stuck. And I want to invite Jesus to come and help me be unstuck. I don't want to look back any longer to the old way of life. I want to move forward by faith. Hands all over the place. Jesus, you see our hands. You're so merciful, God. Today is a day where you, by your Holy Spirit, have taken us by the arm and you've pulled us out. You want us to live the life that you've designed for us. We accept that. God, you're inviting us into your presence. You're inviting us into your plan. God, we set our agendas aside. Lord, for those that are dealing with some deep 
hurts. Do the work that only Jesus, the great physician, can do and heal hearts today. Help us, Lord, to not look back anymore, but keep moving forward. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen.